We are in our second week of our series, A Church United, and last week we began with a message on classism. This week we continue with a message on ageism. Our scripture this morning comes from Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 to 15. I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. With your mask on, I invite you to read the scripture behind me on the screen. You might have a Bible with you, a different translation, so we might, uh, you know, interrupt each other with our translation. But the scripture is on the screen. Would you read together with me in one voice? The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to to, and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting towards us from the north. The Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I am about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the life of Jeremiah, this prophet, a man who was close to your heart, a man who experienced various trials, a man who was looked down upon because of his youth. And I pray that you would break down the systems of ageism in our congregation and in our world today by the power of your word. We pray that you would declare freedom in this place, that we would look at each other as sons and daughters of God, irrespective of our age. So Lord, unite your church, we pray. Come and make us one. That was your prayer to the Father. Lord, make us one as you and the Father are one. And so Father, we pray that you dismantle these systems so that we can be the church you've always wanted us to be. We want to step into that right now. And especially in this generation service, would you add your blessing today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It was Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, who made an opening generalization about the futility of life in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. This is what he said. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was already here long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. You may be young now, but one day, here's the news that you have to embrace. One day you will be old. You may be old now, but once upon a time, you were young. 
And the wisdom of the old tends to be belittled, and the wisdom of the young tends to be questioned. If Solomon was right in saying that there is nothing new under the sun, that means that in the general order of things as God has created it, there is no such thing as newness. There is no real advantage that the old have over the young or the young have over the old. We all live the same kind of life. So the scripture causes us to question why our world and our culture knowingly and unknowingly operate under the influence of ageism. Now let's be clear, ageism goes both ways. We can be ageist towards the old, we can be ageist towards the young. Pastor Andrew and I, we had a good chuckle the other day about one of the most comical yet sad biblical examples of ageism found in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 23 to 24. We might want to excuse these kids in the story for just being kids, but 2 Kings 2, 23 to 24 teaches us that not only was Elisha offended, but God was offended. Let me tell you the story. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. And as he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, Baldy, they said. Get out of here, Baldy, again. And he turned around, he looked at them, and he called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. Bad day for those boys. Bad day for their families. If you're bald, please don't get any ideas. Okay? We love you. You are loved. You belong at our church. Don't hurl down any curses upon any of us. The Apostle Paul, he gives instructions to his protege named Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 12 to 14 that addressed the ageism in the church of Ephesus against the young pastor. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. I once was a young man. I still am a young man. I was a young man when I became the lead pastor of this church, WPA. And I knew that some people, especially our senior population, would be naturally hesitant to having such a young lead pastor. And it was this biblical advice that gave me perspective in the midst of all of that when I was preaching the call to be your pastor. I decided to be like Timothy, to focus on the Word of God and not neglect my gifts, no matter what anybody says about me. So I want to speak over WPA this morning and say that we will make no room for ageism in this assembly. Amen? We believe that God has called us to be an intergenerational church. We will celebrate that over and over again. And that is why we even have this generation service. So this message is such a timely message for such a time as this. So this morning, I selected a scripture that focuses on ageism against the young based on the young prophet Jeremiah, but I do, not think, I do think that these truths are applicable for both the young and for the old alike. So listen today to the word of God preached to you from Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 to 15. First point this morning is, I want you to be who God wants you to be. 
Be who God wants you to be. Verses 4 to 5. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. See, God takes the same level of care and forethought in creating, in creating human beings. This is not specific to Jeremiah. This is not specific to Christians alone. It is characteristic of every person that God has ever created. And you and I were a thought in the genius of God's mind before we were ever formed in our mother's womb. What a thought. How precious is his thoughts towards us. Ephesians 1 verse 4 informs us, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He chose us because he created us. He chose us before we could ever choose him. Isn't that beautiful? Ephesians 2.10 continues the thought and describes, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are his handiwork. You are his masterpiece. You are a one-of-a-kind creation. These good works were pre-planned a long, 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 long time ago. When we who have been saved perform these good works Friends, we fulfill the will of God on our lives. Many understand these scriptures to describe the doctrine of predestination. The moment we hear that doctrine, we all get afraid because people in Pentecostal churches and circles, we kind of stand away and apart from predestination because we like to believe in the free will that we have that God has given us. You see, the doctrine of predestination is basically this, that what God has willed will come to pass no matter what. What? Nothing can stop the will of God from unfolding. Secondly, that only those whom he predestined or elected will be saved. So no matter where you land in this debate between predestination and free will, here's the thing. No one can deny that both are in the Bible. Both are in the Bible. And while we do not agree with the entirety of that doctrine, we agree to some extent that God desires all of us, his creation, to be who he created us to be, but not overriding our free will to do it. We work in cooperation with God. He has chosen us, but the question remains then, will we reciprocate by choosing him and then work in partnership with him? Not only did God form Jeremiah and know Jeremiah, it is God who appointed Jeremiah for the role of prophet to the nations. Now, this was not a job that was envied. This was a hard, hard job. And Jeremiah, he would feel rejection for being a prophet. No matter what his age, it came with the calling, that rejection. And if Samuel, the youngest prophet, could serve the Lord at a young age, then surely Jeremiah, a teenager, maybe a young adult, could serve the Lord in his later teens and his later years. Whoever God has called you to be and whatever God has called you to do pre-exists you and the people around you. Focus on that for a second. What God has called you to do and how he wants you to do it, that thought pre-exists this moment that we're living in. 
These are God's thoughts for us. Your purpose is rooted in ancient times, in creation history, not in this mere moment. So whose voice will you allow to be the loudest in your life? Will it be that internal voice with all the excuses in the world? Will it be the world's voice with all its criticisms against you? Or will it be God's voice with his words of affirmation over your life saying, you are my son and you are my daughter and you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. See, God created you with a very specific purpose in mind. So let no limitations set against you like age stop you. It's time to embrace that adventurous calling of God upon your life. And so the question is not about age. It is about whether you will be who God wants you to be. Secondly, today, say what God wants you to say. I want you to say what God wants you to say. Verse 6 to 10. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, Don't, do not say, I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand, and he touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. God's people are always full of excuses. Just look at the Israelites. There are people marked by excuses. Let me highlight for you today Jeremiah's own excuses to the call of God. You have your own excuses to the call of God. First, Jeremiah expressed that he did not know how to speak. And often we think that we need to be eloquent in order to be used by God, but the opposite is actually true. See, God wants to touch your mouth, and he wants to put his words in your mouth. And we need this kind of empowerment in our lives. I think of this every time I preach the word of God to you. I pray that you do not hear my words, but that you hear God's words spoken in and through me. And you do not come to church to hear my opinion. In fact, if you've come to hear my opinion, I encourage you to go back home. <laughs> you have come to hear a word from the Lord. And you won't be satisfied until you hear from the Lord yourself. We want an encounter with him. We want to be changed and transformed in his presence by the power of his word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it is God alone who gives us the authority to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and overthrow and to build and to plan. This happens when we become the mouthpiece of God. God wants to use you to be his mouthpiece in this day and in this time. Consider Moses this great man of God, this prophet of the Lord, and his hesitation to the call of God. In Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 to 12, the scripture says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Isn't that amazing? But you know Moses? Moses was not satisfied with that, and he asked the Lord to send somebody else, and that angered the Lord. 
what could have been done by Moses alone ended up being done by two people, Moses and his brother Aaron. Moses would be God's mouthpiece, and Aaron would be Moses' mouthpiece. But God is not looking for someone qualified. He is looking for someone willing. Are you willing today to be used by the Lord to say what he wants you to say? Rest assured today, God will equip those whom he calls. Secondly, Jeremiah expressed that he was too young. Some of you might be wanting to say the opposite. I'm too old. Pastor, I'm retired. I've done my part. It's time for me to take a long sabbatical, a long break. See, Jeremiah was instructed to go to everyone who he was told to go to, both the young and the old. See, ageism fades when we take our cues from God and not from people. When Jeremiah was not responsible for how people would respond, Jeremiah was responsible only for his own obedience. And that's all God is holding you responsible for today, too. Will you be obedient to his call? We are often ageist against ourselves. We often self-discriminate. As the adage goes, age is just a number. Age does not automatically mean that a person is mature. Age does not automatically mean that a person has a solid relationship with Jesus. Age, in fact, tells us very little. The term young and old are only reference points. I recently read an article in the Washington Post about this very topic of ageism. According to demographer Sergei Sherbov, old is the reference point when your life expectancy is 15 years or less. It's pretty good, actually, if you're kind of coming into your senior years, this is good for you. Because life expectancy changes from culture to culture, from country to country, place to place. It's working backwards instead of working forwards. Therefore, old is different for everyone around the world because our life expectancy is not the same from place to place. So what was Jeremiah saying when he said to the Lord he was too young? Was he physically young? Was he cognitively young? Was he spiritually young? Maybe one of the above. It might be all of the above. We don't really know for sure, but here's the amazing thing about our God. You are never too old and you are never too young to do what God has called you to do. Can I get an amen this morning? Not for me, but for the Lord's word. So the question is not about age, but it's about whether you will say what God wants you to say. Third point this morning, I want you to see what God wants you to see. See what God wants you to see. Verse 11 to 15, the word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. And the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. And the word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting toward us from the north. And the Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. And I'm about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. God simulated a test that day in order to decipher whether Jeremiah was ready to be launched into his prophetic ministry. Before he speaks, he must see. We can consider this to be his prophetic training. Can Jeremiah, the prophet, discern rightly what God is saying. 
The first test is so much simpler in interpretation than the second test. Jeremiah, what do you see? And he says, I see the branch of an almond tree. Craig Keener, a great biblical commentator, he notes of the context, the almond tree was the first tree to bloom in the land. The almond flower is white and has shades of pink, ripening with almond about 10 weeks later from its bloom. So just as quickly as the tree budded and would soon produce its own nut and produce, God would not delay and would quickly fulfill His word. When God has a plan, He sees that it comes to fruition. In the second test, Jeremiah saw a boiling pot tilting from the north. This was the prophetic uh, sign of a disaster that would strike Judah. His prophetic message was not good news. In fact, it was bad news. And the people of Judah are about to be invaded by foreign nations who would be used by God to pour out His judgment upon them for their idolatry in the land. And you can just imagine the terror that came upon Jeremiah the prophet when he correctly saw what God was going to do and what the people then might do to him if he prophesied a message of judgment in the land. He offered Jeremiah two words of encouragement, the Lord. The first encouragement is found in verse 18. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. What is God saying in the, in the moments when we're most afraid to be used by him? He says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you will be stronger than the people. Do not be terrified because I am fortifying you and I am bolstering you and I am strengthening you. And then the second encouragement then later is found in verse 19. They will fight against you, but you will not, they will not overcome you for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Basically, what's he saying? Jeremiah, you're indestructible. In other words, God promised that he would not allow the rebellious people of the land to shoot the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. When you're in trouble, here's the promise that for you today. It was as true as it is for Jeremiah as it is for you today. When you are in the midst of trouble, the Lord will rescue you. Whether you're young or old, whether you have 20-20 vision or you have impaired vision. God wants to show you things in the spirit. In Joel 2, 17 to 18, the apostle Peter, he quoted the prophet Joel on the day of Pentecost when he was preaching and he said, in these last days, God says, I will pour up my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Do you see the scripture? Do you see that comparison of young and old? Young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. It is that same spirit of God that was upon those people and will also be poured on us. If you're led by the spirit if you're ready to be used by the Lord for the ministry he calls you to do. And each of you have a ministry. So the question is not about age. It's about whether you will see what God wants you to see. As we conclude this morning, there's a picture on the screen. Anybody recognize these characters? 
You can see the balloon, so maybe you had the hint. Up is a story of a 78-year-old man who ties thousands of balloons to his house and flies away to the wilds of South America with a kid who is 70 years younger than him. The movie tells the story of an old man's quest to fulfill a lifelong promise to his late wife, Ellie, while he still can. It's also about getting old and finding oneself after experiencing a loss. When Carl, the hero, is forced to move to a retirement home, he decides to escape to the destination of his wife's and his old dream. He wants to avoid the physical confinement of old age represented by the Shady Oaks Retirement Community Center. He inadvertently embarks Russell, a kid, a wilderness explorer that comes from a broken home and is looking for a father figure on the journey. These are the premises for an exceptional showcase of strong role models of multi-generational friendship. Carl and Russell become friends. And they teach each other about responsibility, caring for nature, and the movie's main theme, chasing the spirit of adventure. And as the friendship between characters grow, and the adventure goes on and on, Carl's appearance changes. You see, at the beginning, he is a slow-moving, slow-rising old guy. For most of the movie, he daughters with a cane. But in the third act, he's Superman. He can climb the upside-down ladder on the Zeppelin. He can carry heavy objects and even yank the boy out from the air. He even gives away his cane and his clothing changes appearance for a more younger style a way of showing that old age can be defeated by finding oneself again. The evolution of the characters and the action successfully shows how age and ageism are concepts that can evolve. It shows the importance of seizing the present rather than dwelling in the past, and that by doing so, anyone can defeat his age or her age, his fear or her fear of becoming old. The epilogue of the movie actually shows Carl enjoying a great second life along with Russell without his cane. And as I pondered this video all week and thought about it, see, with God, the spirit of adventure is out there. The spirit of adventure is out there for both the young and for the old. Instead of dividing people by their age, it is the God that we serve who unites us intergenerationally. And so the question is, will you learn from the example of Jeremiah and get over your age for a moment, whether you're young or you're old? Will you be who God wants you to be? Will you say what God wants you to say? And will you see what God wants you to see? Break free and be a Jeremiah in your generation. Let's pray.